0: We're going to dig straight into it. We've been people who want many things in life: money, love, friendship. and usually we want those things now. But the one thing that I 'm certain of is that <laughs> is that people will sneeze at the climax. nah is that people want assurance. We want assurance in the money that we are earning and spending. Will be used to obtain the items we desire, so DVDs, CDs, video games, books, etc,
1: and that those items
0: will be what is promised to be so like here's an example Australia gets attacked by another country and you hear it from a friend. you would also want the assurance of the news, eyewitnesses and or probably being an eyewitness to that same event now in saying that how would you obtain that assurance? It requires action, work, or response, doesn't it? Whether it be opening up that DVD, then playing it to see that it is legit, that it's English dub, not French, or unless you're liking French. Or, with the other example, going out and grabbing newspapers, turning on the TV, or the radio, just to see what the news is saying if Australia is attacked. But further from that, the actual action of maybe taking up arms, or maybe going out to protect your family. But there's heaps of like responses to that one situation. We come to Luke's Gospel, which is an account of Jesus' life, and we come to chapter 1, and immediately, in the first four verses, have a look, it says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, that is, the gospel or account of Jesus. Therefore, since I myself, Luke, have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty, the assurance of the things you have been taught. Straight up, Luke tells us why he is writing this account. And we see it in verse 4. Have a look so that you may know the certainty, the assurance of things you've been taught. So, Theophilus is possibly a friend of Luke, and Luke wants to affirm the certainty of the truth about Jesus to him. So, really, Luke is desiring to strengthen Theophilus' faith in Jesus by working hard at writing down this account. So, a couple of things. For this term, I want you to remember why this book was written. Verse 4, it's not just so Theophilus may have certainty. No, it's inclusive of us. So we may know the certainty of the things we have been taught or um, that we are going to be taught or have been taught. Did I say that right? right? You may find this hard to believe. This is the second one. Because you want historical proof. You want to be assured that what I'm saying is true. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you just don't care. You don't matter if what I say is true or not. Don't be the one who ignorantly brushes off the friends who tell you Australia has been attacked. Because if it's true, it could mean you have died or will die for your ignorance of the truth. So my aim is to, verse 3, as Luke has carefully investigated everything from the beginning, my aim is to actually show you a quick glimpse of what he has researched. And I want to show that by doing four things. Number one, what has happened just before this book? I want to show that. Then come into this book. I won't have enough time to explain everything that happens in that just one little thing we read, but maybe come and ask me questions later or later. Then show what it's leading up to, what's going on beyond this um, little section. Then finally give some application. Those are the four things I want to do. So first, I want to say that, I'll just read it out, the book of Luke is found in the New Testament. And the New Testament starts from... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, onwards. But before that was what is considered the Old Testament. What's the difference? Simply the Old Testament looks forward to Jesus, to the coming of the one who will be Lord and Savior. The New Testament starts off looking that way, but as we are getting the accounts of Jesus' birth, we're also getting the accounts of his life, his ministry, and ultimately his death and his resurrection. And then the rest of the New Testament looks at what the results and the response is to all those things Jesus has done. In understanding this first chapter of Luke, what we just read, we need to go to the Old Testament. So, turn back to Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It is just before Matthew. Malachi is 400 years before Jesus. So, we're going back here and then we're coming to Jesus. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. I want you to keep that verse in mind. And now turn back to Luke. Luke. Why is that verse important? Why did we look there? Well, for a Jew living in the Old Testament times, they received this message, right? And they wouldn't naturally just brush it off like many people would do if they received the message. Because being a Jew who is a believer of God, you would recognize that this message is from God and that you would have to now wait for God to actually fulfill that promise of that message. So it's kind of like, but not exactly, the time when my parents promised me they'd take me out for dinner if I did really well on my college exams. So I did my exams and my results came back and I got band sixes. You go me. But it's not like that because I had to earn to get my dinner. God doesn't do that, God promises these things. But then he actually goes about and acting them out. He brings them about. The Jews then couldn't do anything to help or aid that. So we're back in Luke, and we come across two old, God-fearing Jews who have no children, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest who works in the Jewish temple, and has come to his time of service. So he goes into the temple to burn incense, and all of a sudden an angel appears to him and says in verse 13, have a look, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Wait, Josh, weren't you just saying that this account is about Jesus? It is, but I want you to remember Malachi 3, verse 1. Let's keep reading from um, 14 to 17. He, John, will be a joy and delight to you, And many will rejoice because of his birth, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord. What? There it is. And he will go on before the Lord. That's Malachi 3 verse 1. Malachi 3 verse 1 was talking about John. Now, we'll finish verse 17. And he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, if you're taking notes, Elijah was considered to be this great prophet. And if you want to look up more about Elijah, 1 Kings 17. Just write that down and check it out later. So John was to be exactly like this guy Elijah. And if you want even more stuff to look up, look up Malachi 4, verses 5 to 6. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of and and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is what John is destined to do. He's the last prophet before the Lord comes. He's the one who points to and looks forward to the Lord. Now let's finish off that story in Luke. So Zechariah, verse 18, he has a question. It's a pretty reasonable question. He wants to have assurance, doesn't he? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. <laughs> if you want assurance, Zechariah, look who's before you. It's an angel of God. It's not like he just came through some trapdoor and by the incense candles, it's like, whew, pretty hectic tongue you got there. <laughs> by the way, I'm Gabriel. I'll be your angel this evening. It's not like that happened. <laughs> it's not like that happened. But... I don't know what angels look like back then, so it's not like, right. if you couldn't recognize him, check what he had to say, Zechariah. I'm Gabriel. You want a credential? I stand in the presence of God. Hectic credi- credential. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. <laughs> Have you ever been in those situations where you're in the presence of a celebrity or someone of importance and you haven't recognized them at first? I've got two stories, one about myself and one about some teenage punks. So Boy and Bear, right? Heard of them? The good band, aren't they? I was at a concert at not so long ago with a few of the leaders here and I was actually standing where a few of the security guards were because that was the only room to see the stage. Anyway, there were these stairs behind me with a gate across it. I'm watching the second support act, Ginger Safari, when this small guy has just moved up. Stood next to me, and it's like, they're pretty good, eh? He's having this conversation with me. I'm like, yeah, I know Cameron Knight. We used to be in the same year. He's the guy playing the sitar. And then as I'm turning over to look at this guy, it's the front man for Boy and Bear. And it's like, oh, you're Dave Hosking. Did anyone know his name was Dave Hosking? Yeah. <laughs> if I said Boy and Bear, you'd be like, yeah, Dave Hosking, what? I'm like, yeah, your music's sick. like, Far out, I didn't realise he was just standing there. In that instance, if I'd paid closer attention to who I was talking to, I I think I wouldn't have been so relaxed. That's kind of what happened in Luke. Here's another illustration, which is also funny. In the 1930s, in Detroit, three young men hopped on a bus and they tried to pick a fight with a lone man sitting at the back of the vehicle. They insulted him, he didn't respond. They tried to turn up the heat by insulting him. He said nothing. Eventually, he just stood up walked over to them, and they're just like, whoa, you're actually pretty massive. And he gives them a card. It's a business card, and then he just walks off the bus. As the bus drove on, the young men just gathered together, and they're looking over this card, and it says these words, Joe Lewis Boxer. (laughs) They had tried to pick a fight with the man who would be the heavyweight boxing champion of the world from 1937 to 1949? And he's actually considered to be greater than Muhammad Ali. Similar to Zechariah and the angel incident, isn't it? Well, sort of, in terms of not recognizing who they are in the presence of. So he finishes Zechariah's story. He loses the ability to speak because he doubted what the angel Gabriel said. He then goes out to the crowd and tries to act out what he had seen. Imagine that. Angel comes. Baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then he goes home, and Elizabeth is pregnant. So, cool story, Josh, but what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with me? Is this even true? Okay. Well, let's test the historicity of it. I want you to take notice of what the text says. So look at verse 5. It gives us a time frame. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, was it true? Was there a name, king named Herod around Judea? History says that there was a guy named Herod, and he, was, he lived around 4 BC. Two, also it gives us Jewish history. So was there a temple? Was there a priest? Did their customs have them burn incense in the temple? You can have a look at the Old Testament or the Jewish sacred scriptures, which is basically what our Old Testament is. So books like Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you can have a look at them and you can see how the temple was established, what the priests had to do, all that kind of stuff. And also, who are the eyewitnesses and servants of the word in verse 2? I take it to be the apostles. That is, Jesus' followers. And also around that time, you've got the eyewitnesses from that crowd, crowd who are at the temple, and you've also got Luke, who's written this book amongst three other authors that we've recorded, Matthew, Mark, and John, which are Gospels. So can we test the historicity of the event? Yes. And we can then assume a few things. If this isn't true, then all the people who took time like Luke to write these things are fools, idiots, even liars. Therefore, if you're a Christian in this room and this isn't true, we are fools, idiots, and liars. But if it is true, we have to respond to it. But what are we responding to? John, that baby who's been prophesied in chapter 1, is to prepare the way of the Lord or point to the Lord. That's what it says. Who is this Lord? We're going to see in weeks to come, it's, spoiler alert, Jesus. Jesus is this promised Lord that Malachi is talking about. Okay, now one more flip. Go to Luke chapter 9, verse 51. On the way, we're going to see over the next few weeks... Jesus' ministry around the place in Galilee. And in chapter 4, if you're writing notes, just jot this down. Chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, he says the statement of what he's here to do. But turn to chapter 9, verse 51 of Luke, and we're going to see the purpose of Jesus being here with us. So he's gone around Galilee, done his ministry of, um, just around there. And this is what it says. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Something big is going to die, uh, go down in Jerusalem. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Down in Jerusalem. Something where you and I have to have assurance of because of what Jesus does in Jerusalem. It says that Jesus is to be taken up to heaven in that verse, but before he does, he's going to Jerusalem to die. Jesus' purpose, his passion, is to go get to Jerusalem to die. And we get that from chapter 22 and 23 of this same book of Luke. But from chapter 24 and into the next book that Luke wrote, Acts, we see that we don't have assurance in a dead guy. No. Nah. We have assurance. We have solid hope in the resurrected, risen Lord Jesus. And now we live in light of praising, worshipping, and desiring to obey what he teaches us. Why did he die? Well, so we can have a relationship with God where there is solid hope, solid assurance that we will live with him forever. How does that come about? Well, by trusting in who Jesus is, who he claims to be. We're going to see who he is, who he claims to be, what he does over this term, over this year, over the years to come. It is whether or not you are assured. You trust in what he's saying, what he does. So I would advise you, look at the evidence. Challenge me. I like a good challenge. Challenge your leaders. Challenge those who are claiming to be Christian here. But if you're ready to accept this, if you're like, that's it, I get it. Make him, make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Then ask God to help you live by trusting and obeying him. That's for you guys to wrestle with, but here's a couple more applications. If you're new to these things, let me challenge you to make sure you are sure about who Jesus is. Stick around for the weeks to come, ask questions of friends who are Christians, ask your leaders, etc. Don't be the one who ignorantly brushes this off because if it's true, it could mean you have died or will die for your ignorance of the truth. Christians, and this isn't just talking to you guys, it's also talking to me, are you stoked that a God-fearing man like Luke laboured and toiled to write this account for us? You may have had this nagging in your head where you're like, how can I be sure? I'm going to give you a few things to do from Luke 1, 1 to 25. And the reason why I'm giving you this is because we have a fret in our culture. And the fret goes like this. We are the want, or we are the need rather, generation. We need it now. We want it now. We're going to get it now. And what I mean by that is, is we easily take on things regardless of it, if it's true or not. We don't want to work hard for the information. We just absorb information. It's easy to get information off the internet. Wikipedia, how reliable is that? I would hate for you to just be doing one of two things. Just disagreeing, or even agreeing, because you don't care or believing it because I'm just a bit older and what I say must must be true. For all you know, I could have preached some heresy that you were like, yes, got to believe that, just because he said so. Be different from the culture. Work hard at dig- diligently figuring out truth. Research, read your Bible, read controversial books and let the Bible dictate whether or not it's true. Read good Christian books, work hard like Luke did. Fight sin, fight apathy, fight false teaching. Be sure what we are saying comes from the Bible from what God says. Now, you may find that hard to do, but that's why we're here like this. Some of us are good at working hard at figuring it out, and some of us maybe aren't there yet, but we're here to help each other. Work at seeing one another grow in relationship with God through Christ, because Christ died for that grow. It's not as if by doing these things that I've just listed will save you, but it will help you grow and help you mature. Right, it's because the Saviour and Lord has come and saved you and me, so I do these things to grow my relationship with Him and desire others to have that. I could keep going on, but I want to do one last thing, and I want you guys to grab out your phone or your notepad to write this down. I want you guys in your own time to reread Luke 1, 1 to 25. Like I said, this is not going to save you. It's just helpful in growing and maturing. Put yourself in the shoes of a Jew. So Zechariah and Elizabeth in that context of that story. Why? Because they were looking forward to this promised Savior and Lord to come in their context, and he did. And they rejoice and they put their, their trust in him. In our context, in our context, do we do that? Do we look forward to having Jesus as our saviour and Lord? Yes, he is those things. But do we remind ourselves of it daily when we are fighting sin, when we have an exam, when we have a good day, when we have a bad day, when we're playing sport, when we're eating cereal, do we remind ourselves that Jesus is saviour and Lord? I'm almost finished, guys. Or is it all about the here and now for you and me? Is it only when we come to youth that he's Savior and Lord? Is it only when we come to church that he's Savior and Lord? When, is it only when we go to J teams that he's Savior and Lord? I'm challenging you guys to go, is he Savior and Lord in everything I do in life? That's the first one. Number two, I want you guys to write down these scriptures as you're looking through Luke. Genesis 17, 15. To eighteen verse fifteen. Then Genesis twenty one. Sorry Genesis seventeen verse fifteen to eighteen fifteen Genesis seventeen fifteen eighteen to fifteen. Then Genesis twenty one verses one to seven Genesis twenty one verse 1 to 7. When you read that and you've read Luke, you're going to notice some similarities. Then I want you guys to go to Daniel. Daniel 8, verse 16 to 17. Daniel 8, 16 to 17. And also from Daniel, chapter 9, verse 20 to 23. And see that Gabriel, the angel, is also mentioned here. This Gabriel that also has come in Luke. He's bringing forth a message in Daniel as well as in Luke. And then I want you guys to remember Malachi 3, verse 1, and also Malachi 4, verse 5 to 6. After you've done that, ask yourself this question. Does God keep his promises? And therefore, am I assured about what I believe? The answer to the first one should be yes. God does keep his promises. Where does your assurance lie? Let me tell you let's encourage each other to have assurance in the solid hope of Jesus Christ, but let's always work hard at testing it so that we are certain. Let's work at seeing one another grow in relationship with God through Christ. Because Christ died for that growth. Hectic, eh? Comforting, though. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a God who keeps his promises so that we can have complete trust in you. I pray that we would, that you would forgive our doubts that you would help us to trust and have assurance in you, that you would always help us work hard at working out our assurance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.